The Gospels provide us with several accounts of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. Mark gives us a brief report over the wire, but only a few details. We have to look to Matthew and Luke for the detailed chronicle of events of those 40 days of fasting. But for a few minor differences, these accounts between Matthew and Luke match up quite well. Though for today, there's a difference between Matthew and Luke that invites deeper investigation, and is this. In both accounts, we find Jesus himself in the wilderness where the authors say he was led by the Spirit to go. But here's the rub. Luke tells us the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness where he was tempted. In Matthew, it says Jesus was led up by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted. In Luke, the temptation just happens in the environment, this austere place. In Matthew, the temptation is the primary reason the Spirit leads him into the wilderness. So from Matthew's perspective, everything's riding on Jesus. From the beginning of Matthew, we learn that the entire plot of the world's salvation from sin has led us to him. The first verses of the Gospel of Matthew say an account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Genealogies are really exciting. (laughs) Um, But this one shows us that it all turns on Jesus. It ends with him. The story continues where it begins with him. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. The stars in the sky align for him. The Magi inquire about him. It's him that Herod attempts to murder. He is the precious cargo hidden from Egypt and tucked safely back in on the way to Nazareth. John the Baptist points to him. The Spirit of God descends on him like a dove. The story of the world's salvation turns on his existence. But a question remains, can Jesus be trusted with temptation? This event reminds me of another biblical account of of testing. In a similar way, everything about Israel's salvation was riding on Abraham. Remember, God God invites our participation in God's saving mission. God did so in Genesis by cutting a covenant with one person, Abraham. But early on, Abraham's faithfulness was in question. We remember Abraham now as the father of a multitude, but before he became a father of a multitude, he was sort of a lousy husband. I won't go into detail except to say that uh, he gave his wife away to Pharaoh so that it would protect himself. Uh, Then, when God tells him that he's going to bless him and Sarah with a son, what does Abraham do? He laughs, cynically. At this point, we have to wonder, can Abraham really be trusted to be faithful? Covenants call on two parties. Is this who we want to be, the father of a multitude? 
God tests Abraham. He sends him with Isaac up to the place that Abraham sees from far away. And there with everything at stake, from Abraham's only son to all the starry sky promise of Israel's future, Abraham is finally reckoned as trustworthy. Here at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Matthew wants us to know everything's at stake. Is this one called Jesus really the Messiah, the anointed one, the Son of God? Or are we to wait for another? We need to know, can Jesus be trusted to carry God's saving mission to fulfillment? Matthew tells us Jesus is famished after 40 days of fasting. If you've ever fasted for even one day, let alone a few, you know. Or if you've ever been hungry for real hungry. If you've been homeless and hungry. Or if you've been in war and been hungry. If you've been poor and been hungry, you know. You know to your bones that you can feel your body wasting away when this happens. The pains take over your life. They change how they see. you see everything around you. Things that you never thought you would consider appetizing before become appealing. Hunger can quickly deplete our moral faculties as well. We become more impulsive, more ravenous. And so in this moment, we wonder if Jesus will will privilege his senses over his wisdom. But I also wonder, besides the practical matter of sating himself, turning these stones into bread, if Jesus here isn't also being tempted to betray his ancestors, here's what I mean. When God delivered the the Hebrews uh, from Egypt, they too walked in, in the wilderness, not for 40 days, but for 40 years. Jesus' journey in the wilderness mirrors theirs. He's walking alongside them. We can assume that the Hebrews would have loved after just a few days to have turned some of those stones into bread. They often complained of their rations of manna. If Jesus were to turn these stones into bread, he would have cut himself off from the experiences of his own people. He would have become untrustworthy to carry on the story of God's salvation. The temptation to turn stones into bread comes to God's people often enough. The tempter visits us to say, you don't have to be that dependent on God anymore. Jesus says to the contrary, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We live by trusting the whole story of God's salvation. We live by trusting that we're part of that story. Then Jesus is taken by the devil to the pinnacle of the temple. This is so dramatic. If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down. The angels will bear you up. Here I believe Jesus is being tempted to keep himself safe. Consider with me what would have happened if Jesus had actually done this, if he'd actually jumped, and the angels had caught him just before he hit, it would have been a spectacle. It would have dissuaded, too, the powers from contesting Jesus at all, let alone attempting to kill him. 
after you've seen something like that happen, and angels come from the heavens to save a man, who's going to mess with him? <laughs> I mean, you could point all the Sherman tanks in the world straight at him in a circle, and put him in the middle of it and say, who's going to pull the trigger first? And no one would do it. He would have been safe from then on. And the story of God's salvation would have unraveled. And by testing God in this way, Jesus would have forced God's hand, and we would have never discovered just how loving, how far Jesus is willing to go to love us. How eternal God's love really is. And we would never have been saved from death. If Jesus had jumped and the angels had called him, death would still have its sting today. The devil is right. He would never have dashed his foot against a stone. But instead, we see how Jesus trusted God even to the point of death. And then on the third day, the disciples come and they find that the prophecy that the devil quoted has been fulfilled, but in God's own time. Remember? they see that the stone has been rolled away. Again, the devil takes Jesus up to an even higher view and shows him all the kingdoms of the world. The devil says, these are all yours if you want them. You don't even need a super pack. They're yours. If you just bow down to me and worship me. Here I believe Jesus is being tempted to privilege power over love. Maybe the greatest temptation of all. The kingdoms of the world establish their power how? With the sword, with violence. I can't think of one kingdom that ever existed or one nation state that established its borders without the sword. Not one. Ruminating on this third temptation of Christ, author Henry Nowens asked, what makes the temptation to power so seemingly irresistible? Maybe it's that the power offers us an easy substitute for the hard task of love. It seems easier to be God than to love God. Easier to control people than to love people. Easier to own life than to love life. One of the truest measures of any church, I suppose, is whether she extends her mission by force or by love. But we follow Jesus who said, put away your swords. Only love will see us through now. Well, this is all very heavy, isn't it? Temptation and the devil standing beside Jesus and conversations and contesting. and Is Jesus trustworthy? It, it's almost too much to bear. And here we are at the beginning of the season of Lent. And this season of self-examination uh, and prayer and fasting and introspection. Dealing with... Uh, soul-tending matters, matters of the soul. And sometimes in these matters, the longer we live, the less we trust ourselves to contend with temptation. We weren't so good at it before. How will we good at, be good at it now? 
Jesus even says at one point, we can really clean up our own house and just make more room uh, for something worse to move in. So even though this all sounds very heavy and we're at the beginning of this new season of self-examination and prayer and fasting, I want you to take comfort in the way the, the words run and the way of the story of God's salvation continues here. It is dark in places and it's deep and difficult to understand, but I want you to take comfort because what this makes us able to do is face our own temptations from now on. Hebrews says, He himself was tested by what he suffered. He's able to help those who are being tested. And a bit later, Hebrews says, He was tested in every way like we are, but without sin. Even that way? Yes. Even that way. I feel like one of the most faithful things that any one of us could do after hearing the way the words run in these temptations is really to go back to the beginning of the whole story of God's salvation and place ourselves alongside Abraham. Early on, in God's and Abraham's relationship, they cut a covenant. And back in those days, it was a very uh, different way of making promises than we do today. Back then, they would cut animals in half, lengthwise, and splay them across and create a pathway between the carcasses. And the sense of it was that you would walk through the carcasses and say, may this be done to me if I don't keep this promise. That's how you never forget the promise you made. <laughs> but do you remember in Genesis, when this happened with Abraham, you would think Abraham and God would have walked through one at a time, but no, that's not what happens. Now what happens is, Abraham falls asleep. God puts Abraham to sleep. When Abraham dreams, he sees a torch moving through the path and making the promise on behalf of both of them. So as each one of us goes into our closets in this season to pray and to wrestle with God, I invite us all not to try so hard, but to rest with Abraham and the one who goes before us the one who baptizes us with Holy Spirit and fire.